Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. Vladimir. Hello. Vladimir. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I am excited that spring is in the air, baby. Oh, yeah. About time. <sighs> spring is in the air, and we're, what, six months away from elections. <sighs> oh, don't even. It's just exciting. Please don't. Exciting shit. Well, today's guest is a kind and gentle soul. Multi talented. Uh, gentle soul. Yes, he's a real renaissance man. Yeah. He really like can do so many things in so many realms of the arts. Um, well, and he's had success with them. Like, and he's had success. I've done lots of things too, but you know what? Brad, it's home. true. You know, <laughs> but you are also a renaissance man. I forgot. I'm, I always forget how multi-talented not, you are. Yeah, but I haven't had the success in all my... I like to think that I'm mediocre in a lot of things. You're a jack of all trades. <laughs> Master of none. I'm a jerk of all trades. <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, you're you're selling yourself kind of short. Mm. Selling yourself well, kind of short. You. You're very. That's why I come you know, here every day. Yeah. <laughs> get some praise. You know, get a little, get a get bitched out a little bit. We know how you love it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Michael Caves is so many things from a graffiti artist, graffiti writer, a rapper, a musician, a tattoo artist. He is an actor. He wrote a movie. (laughs) And I mean... He has a restaurant. I mean, it's embarrassing, it right? Is, I feel like I'm a, embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed too. <laughs> and I am multi-talented. But at least he came in to talk to us. I mean, thank God. Glean <laughs> <laughs> a little bit off of that. Yes, 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 yes. But I'm a little fan. Um, and it's a damn good conversation. I mean, but one. I mean, talk about being like a subculture king. Oh yeah, yeah. He also was so early with like a streetwear boutique and his own brand and sort of like dabbling in like the cool um, Japanese sort of American obsession, all things hip hop in New York uh, in the, you know, 90s and 2000s. Um, Caves has definitely pioneered a lot of um, these little subculture moments, beginnings, right. right, moments. And um, and now, of course, they, they're they no longer subcultures and they're actual culture that we uh, sort of just take for granted. But they started over here in little old New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to this episode. 
You're going to drop 16? <laughs> Chloe, get raw. Anyway, I'm super excited to have Caves on the show hey, today. It's been too long. You are long. you are a real renaissance man. Uh, I was really like thinking about it because this show is really about subcultures and like the stars of subcultures, people that propagate subcultures. But you have been you're like all five elements, baby. I try. You are like in so many and represent so many subcultures. From graffiti to rap to like New York City nightlife subculture, restaurant, like entrepreneurial, tattoos, like where, what am I forgetting? Oh, didn't you, weren't you like a b-boy too? You yeah. like did some break like. dancer, yeah. Break I was dancer. a break dancer, graffiti writer. I'm just, a, I'm, the, I'm a New York street kid that needed to find, by all means necessary, needed to find a way to you know, um, have a voice or be creative. Okay, so let's start. Let's start with your young life. Over, uh, you're like a Bay Ridge native. Well, I I was born in Flatbush, uh. Church in Troy. My mother's my mother came from Bay Ridge. Her mother was from Bay Ridge. Um, before that, her mother came from a town called Padula outside of Naples. We like the only like a Irish family. No, like- there's Irish. I mean, I'm like, a, I'm like a mutt. Like I'm like the UN. I got a lot of nationalities because I'm a typical, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Brooklyn guy. Sure. So, but mostly Italian and Irish is like the dominating sure. force in, 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 in there. But there's a lot of like American in Cherokee Indian. There's, you know, there's a bunch. In Bay Ridge? That- well, I'm saying like, <laughs> I'm, saying, like I'm saying, I'm saying like, to me, I'm saying to me, no, Bay Ridge, no Bay, no, Bay Ridge was mostly when I first, like it was mostly Irish, German, Norwegian, um, Italian, but I'm, I'm trying to think of early on. And, um, yeah, that was basically it at that, at that time, mm-hmm. right? Early, like early seventies, um, but yeah, my my uh, grandfather af- after World War II, he was in um, the Battle of the Bulge. He was a paratrooper, mm-hmm. and he was from Virginia, so he was a country boy. And when he came to um, when he came after the, after the war, he had an uncle that lived in Bay Ridge that had worked for him. So he came he came to work in Bay Ridge, and he met you know he met Marie Quatrone part of the Quatroni sisters they were like singers and dancers yes and, I remember and they were wild they were wild wild girls and he you know he fell in love with them and he stayed and, and you know so on and so forth there know. there he goes planted roots and yeah. started a fam yeah yeah but Bay Ridge Bay Ridge has always been I mean that's we lived in like like I said I was born in Flatbush real quick like for a couple of years we lived there in Church and Troy but then we moved to Bay Ridge and then after, you know, Bay Ridge, we bounced around a little bit to Sheepshead Bay. And then when my mother and father got divorced, we moved back to Bay Ridge, back to my mother's old block on uh, 92nd Street. And she was, she was known as Little, little 92nd Street because they grew up next to PS104 Schoolyard. And they were kind of like infamous because my, my, my nanny was like this beautiful, like crazy Italian woman that would scream at all the kids in the schoolyard. And my my grandfather used to come out they used to call him Tarzan and Jane because he would come out like fucking Tarzan like oh like fuck with my wife you know, like, and he was like he was cocked diesel and like I said he just came back from the battle of the bulls you're not gonna fuck with this dude he's like old school true grit uh cat but he was super suit he had that southern charm and he was super like 
Hollywood good looks. He looked like Clark. My grandmother always said, oh, that's my Clark Abel. Um, and, but he was, he was super, super humble. I mean, as a, as a child, I'd be like, Grandpa, tell us about the war. Give us the war stories. And he wouldn't. He would just grunt. He'd go, he would never tell us. He would never talk to us about any of that. He was a painter, a house painter in Bay Ridge. And um, he would paint all the expensive houses um, in the white gloves and the white hat. And he, was, he, was all, he always conducted himself like Clint Eastwood. Like he was grit. Like he's a, he was like my daughter of a man. I was like my grandfather was like mm. that dude. And, um, but at the same time, super, super humble. And they called him Action Jackson because he was like a pool hustler. He would hustle people at the bars after work and all that stuff. So that's a little... A little glimpse at that's so, that was such a that thing old, that like romantic. people like supplemented their like yeah. income at the pool <laughs> oh, <laughs> like my yeah. family too. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> my father did it at OTB. You know, I mean, right? And that's a, a New York uh, staple that's gone. You know, yeah. Off track betting. You know, um, OTBs were like literally the most terrifying place. <laughs> Yeah. All of New spent, any, anywhere you would go to an OTB. I spent my childhood picking up <laughs> cigarettes off the floor totally. and tickets and shit in front of, you know, uh, I was in a, either in a social club or an OTB. I that mean, was like early childhood. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm a bit, and then we moved back to Bay Ridge, my, you know, and um, we grew up on this block on uh, 92nd and Gelston. And my mom, at the time, my mom and father were like going at it. They were like, you know oil and water like they were you know they were divorcing so it was like she had to raise us on her own and um it was my brother and my sister so mm-hmm. she was just you know she was a waitress basically right. she, she came back to a neighborhood where she was looked at like you know everybody i mean between her brothers and her they 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 had the looks they had the style they had the grace so you know everybody thought you know wow you know they're gonna be someone right but for my mom mom to come back to ninety second street kind of like going on with all of that she was kind of ashamed about it all and she was kind of like well there was a lot of shame yeah, with there, like there was divorce a lot of sh- yes and, it was super right yes. and you had to like pretend you were like this happy couple and just like kind of grit through it it's super dr- yeah and my listen my grand my grandparents like. They grit, like Catholics. They, this, like, they grit through it for a long time. They they grit through it like they had separate bedrooms. Like like old time is I'm like into that. they made they yeah they, right like right you get some fucking get sleep it. you get some sleep right totally um, with my new dog be, yeah. like me and my new dog will be like a goodbye. But um, <laughs> so we we came to this block and 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 it was really humbling because we 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 really didn't have much. But my mother was like this. This is incredible woman. Like she was so like she was this hippie chick. She was she forward thinking. She was very like strong, but she was gorgeous and she was tough. And she was like, "All right, we we got this," you know. She's like, "We're, we're going to do this," you right. know. And she was super super supportive of her kids. She was our, our biggest cheerleader. And so, uh, how many kids are there? They, so I know you're right, at that point, it was my brother Adam, which was a year and a half younger than me, and my sister Chrissy, that was, was two at the time. Okay. So we moved back on that block. And the crazy thing about that block, like Bay Ridge, like it, whatever you might think with Saturday Night Fever and all of that that came out around that time, it was a, it was a lot different from that because mostly it wasn't like this kind of cougine disco thing. Bay Ridge was more like working class, like blue collar. And it was like, it was more thuggy. It was like, it was, it was more like kids were into like rock and roll and they were into like the old school shit, like uh, fucking deep purple and hot tuner and they were like more like 
kind of Vietnam veteran kids like that were like more into like this kind of Hesha style. Okay. Right. And at the moment, I we just came back from living in Sheep's Bay for a little while. So we just came off of like Donna Summers and and, and Rapper's Delight. And me and my brother in the fifth grade had this like crazy dance routine. We were already doing it. Right. And we came back to this block and I remember getting into a fight like the first day, like because I had Sergio Valente's on and shit, and it was like it was serious. It's like you Ooh, fucking like disco. What you do, you know? Sergio? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you like yeah, fucking yeah. disco. And and but the truth was is like we were down with everything. Like my mom and father had the crazy forty five record collection from Led Zeppelin to Janis uh-huh. Joplin, and they took us to Kiss concerts and shit as kids. So we like we like yo we mix it up. We we were like, yeah, yo, like we, we like everything. it all. You're like, yeah, how do you like one thing? Like you're fucking, you know, like oh, it's I silly. couldn't wait to get Sergio Valente. So, <laughs> but yo, but but the serious shit was is that I came on that block and I was like, we only owned two pairs of pants. I just had my birthday and that was like my birthday gift. And me and my brother used to like fucking share each other's clothes. Everybody so, who comes on this show shared pants it, with their brother. It's crazy, right? <laughs> I, I, didn't hear, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear PJ say that, though. Did, yeah. No, that's true. You're he just right. shared, he shared his Glock that's with his brother. Uh, uh, shout out to PJ. Shout, shout out, out and to also, PJ. Shout out to Chino for, for getting us back together. Oh, yes. Ch- yeah. Chino yeah. is like uh, practically produced this entire show. So, so, <laughs> so moving like, so we were kind of like, we were in this little apartment and, and right away on this block, it was like, it was crazy because they called this, this block the Gelston Ghetto because it was filled with row uh, apartment buildings, right? And it's a small little block, small little avenue. You don't even know about this avenue because it's only like three blocks long. But when we got to this block, they had, it, it was electric because the Verrazano Bridge, you would see it down like, it like anchored the block mm-hmm. and you would have this crazy view of the bridge and it was like a like 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 the weight and gravity of this bridge sat in this middle of this block and there was 40 kids running around like fucking lunatics and if it was like football games in the street or hockey in the street or stickball or kids hanging out on this side of the street other kids that didn't like them or on the other side of the street and then you had all the old broads like sitting in the in the in the lounge chairs and the beach chairs, just talking shit about everybody. You know what I mean? So you had this kind of like universe on one block, and walking into getting into that thing is like you try to meet people. You know, trying to break the ice. And graffiti on that block was it was a special block in Brooklyn and Bay Ridge because the TBR crew was a bunch of graffiti writers that were like local graffiti writers that um, were inside guys. On the double R train. Right, because you right. were like an inside guy, a tag guy, like in the, when you were little, Listen, right? Listen, I come from the school, I come from the school is that you have to, you know, you have to do it all and mm-hmm. you have to master it all, right? So Bay Ridge was known for these, like the BMT lines, the insides were known for these guys with fancy style, you know, uh, hand styles. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy, RS3, there was, a, you know, but there was a guy that was like just the hero of the neighborhood was like the best of the best. His name was R.R. And he was like king of the buses as well. And a lot of people don't talk about buses, but New York City, Brooklyn, buses were bombed. Buses were a huge thing. Trains were bombed. You know, uh, UPS truck, the fucking ice cream man truck was bombed. Everything was bombed. But the idea was like there was many levels to this, right? And these guys had killer hand styles with the, with the loops and the tails and the little... And it was just... That was... 
like I lucked out because it wasn't like toys. These guys were already kind of well made as as inside guys. Um, so when I arrived at that block, people were talking about it, and I just came out of like Sheep's of Bay didn't have a lot of writing, right? Had barely nothing. But when the movie with the Warriors came out, mm-hmm. it set everybody off, right? So in the fifth grade, like going into the sixth grade, that was the, like you had to see that movie. And then like, you know, life fucking imitates art. So what is art that, imita- like 81, 82? No, it's 79. 79. So it's 79. And that movie sets everybody off to like grabbing El Marco or, or like the gang culture is coming, you know, New York has this crazy gang culture, and my father was, uh, and I'll, I'll go back to my father was part of a flappish gang called Pigtown, and they were like the ill greasers. They, my father used to say, "See that fucking movie, The Lords of Flappish? That was us, right?" Because they were like original Flappish mm-hmm. uh, gang, and they had this little tattoo on their on their hand. Then they were greasers; they were into cars, drag race, and all that right. type of shit. Typical American graffiti type shit, um, but. The idea of 1979, um, gang culture, and and the the movie The Warriors, like, just made a bunch of little kids want to take to the streets with fucking markers, right? So that, baseball bats. That was my first. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm like I'm like nine, ten years old, right? right. At this point, you're like so I just want to do. I'm just yeah, I'm I'm what I'm what behind the ears, but I was down with art, and this you hear that mm-hmm. a lot. This is like a common thread in most graffiti writers. Is that they had a spark of artistic talent? Right, there's a little spark somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And enough to get you like, in, like it all starts out in school. Like you get some little popularity by being the kid that's the art kid, right? Mm-hmm. That's talented in that sense. So me and my brother, like, we came from this this kind of like long line of storytellers and dancers and singers and but artists as well. My grandfather can get down too. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and, they say that that artistic ability is in everyone it's just like reading and writing right but if it's not nurtured at a young age and not developed that but people find it like frustrating and they can't like go back to it right but but when you're a little kid like there's kids it that flows are, through right, you when you're when you're young right there's right. little kids that are drawing like stick figures and shit and then there's kids that are actually drawing something that resembles a little bit something more right right so in early in school, you start finding out who's be- who right. Can do who what, can right? do so, what? Right? So who can f- draw Superman? Right. You find you find like a little bit of a of attention. You find a little bit of like notoriety, so it kind of lets you navigate a little bit, right? Like, ah, right. Come to me with your uh, crayons. I'll be I'll be here at three o'clock. Because because you know because <laughs> on the other end of it, the kid that's usually talented is the kid that's fucked up on math. He can't do you know totally you can't, right. You can't, so. You're mad and secure about all of that shit. So you're like, all right, I'll draw you. Like, it's like right. jail. Like, I'll be the guy that draws you the fucking cards, to, <laughs> the Valentine's Day cards or something, you know? Dude, um, I used to draw porno and yeah. sell it to kids for, like, lunch money. Right. Really? Right. Yeah. Right. So, Damn, so, so pictures of naked, and, naked and, women. And if you have, like, and, if you have a little bit of, yeah, if you have a little bit of, like, that, that element to you, you're forging your, you know, you're forging parents' signatures oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for them to get out of trouble for lunch for, for that chocolate milk and, you know, um, butter cookies or whatever it is. <laughs> so I was down with art as, as the saying goes already. And when I was on that block, I just gravitated to these kids that were talking about, you know, writing, but it was more organized. And my mom was a, uh, was a, was a waitress. So the way it worked was me and Adam were just like pretty much on our own. And my sister Chrissy would get a babysitter. So my, my mother like 
hide, you know, some of the local girls from the block to babysit. And there was like, you know, there was like three girls that would switch off and babysit for my sister. But, but as luck has it, is that a cat named Ra? This guy that was like the neighborhood dude. Uh-huh. Like he was the he was the king. He was like a John, he was like a John Travolta, Sylvester Stallone type of cat. Okay, when he walked on the block. Everybody stopped. Right. Right. So it just so happens is that my sister's babysitter he had the hots for. Uh huh. So he so, was coming around. So he was coming around. Uh huh. And it's like he used to not like give anybody the time of day. But he knew he had to give me the time of day if he right, wanted to get to the babysitter. Right, right. You were like, your, your stupid boyfriend's coming here being mean to my kids. Right, right. So, so, <laughs> so I'm in the street like with chalk. And I mean, and, and serious. It's like we're all in the street with chalk, like trying to write these graffiti names with like toy, we were toys like El Marcos and chalk. And, and I'm zip zapping and trying to find a name, rap, zip zap. And like, a lot of people are doing Z's in Bay Ridge. Like there's a lot of toys that we're trying to. And he came to me and he's like, oh, that's, you know, whatever he said. Oh, that's cool. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, my my brother, Frankie, is fucking retiring. You know, he's 15 years old and he's retiring. You know, it's like time to retire. And and he's like, I'm going to give you his name. So he gave me the name Cat Caves, but without the E. It was K-A-V-S. So... It but was, you would say it as caves? I would, even say though it, it was, I would say it as caves, even though it sounded like... So it cats was, used to go, yo, calves. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't like that. I like caves. I like the ring of caves for some sure. reason. And at first, I'm writing calves for the first probably two years of, of, of uh-huh. you know learning. So the cool shit was about this dude. He was like... He took a liking to me. And he was like, all right, you coming with me. And then I would leave my block. And they'd be like, oh, shit, he's leaving you know, Rodney. Like, oh, the caves is down, Rodney. And he would take me to Shore Road by the parks. like, And in Saturday Night Fever, you'll see like some of the locations underneath the Verrazano Bridge was something even greater than like any, like any summer camp. The Verrazano Bridge, the cables would come into the Verrazano Bridge and it would, it would go into these like concrete caissons, these tombs. And in these tombs were these catacombs. It was like, Star Wars, Harry Potter, like this was mm-hmm. some real Tom Sawyer shit. Mm-hmm. And all the kids knew the secret passageways to get in. So he'd be like, come on, we're going to the girders. And then boom, you walk out in the girders, you want to talk about hundreds and hundreds of feet of walls. Mm. And this was where everybody got down and right. practiced because the, the buses from the Staten Island, from the Verrazano, the buses and the cars would be where they would see it. you catch fame. Sure. But you wouldn't know how to get there. And this place was like... The straight makeshift uh, place where you stole cars and strip cars. It had like its own BMX track that the kids made out mm. of like abandoned car roofs. And it was like magical because it was all like fenced in and you had to like know the secret passage. So he started showing me that. And then he would bring me around the Verrazano and it would lead around Cannibal Park to this bus depot where the buses used to come. And the, at the end of their route, they used to stop. And the guys used to go smoke or take a piss or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would leave the buses alone. So he was like a cat. He's like, "Yo, come with me, pop, 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 up the up up the little rampway through the bushes, and boom." He's and at the time on the buses, like there was cats like AC, uh, BT. And these were all inside, like on the BMT lines. There was nobody up more than AC and BT and NYC and TBK crew and BF from Red Hook and Rodney Reese, RR. So I was like, that summer was like coming in age for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. like 
the mad, hectic shit on the Cutting block. Cutting your teeth. Cutting my teeth. And it's like you're trying to navigate through, through you know, sixth grades, you know, into seventh grade. And there's mad bullies on the block. There's fighting every day. There's this or that. And, like, I know there was this, like, one bully that was, like, on us all the time. And his sister, his older sister... Was one of my sister, one of my uh, sister's babysitters. Ah, uh-huh, nothing. Yeah, Your yeah. sister's hooking yeah, you up. Yeah, so, so my sister, <laughs> like, so I kind of like at night, like, like, like my mom's like, like, you know, she's waitressing, and 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 we pretty much come and go as we please, and as much as I mean, she kept an eye on us, but you know, you're a kid, you're a New Yorker, you fucking, you. I mean, it yeah. was just so different. You it know, was, yeah, it was. Kids- the doors were open in apartment buildings. People came and went. You hung out on your roof in the summer. Like your like, kids are playing yeah. in the street yeah. until all hours of the day and night. And it was, you felt safe. And you were, you so, know? So imagine like, 10 years old, then boom, the graffiti career begins. Because now... So now the, you're really in and out. Yeah. like And the buses, from the buses, you learned how to tag, right? So we get back to like that shit. But I had such a like, like I was going through so much drama and shit, just feeling the way I was feeling like depressed as a kid when your parents are getting divorced yeah. and you're the oldest and you have to take care of your mother. And, yeah. and I was like, I need something to take my mind. Right. Off and of I need, this. and I feel like I need something to get her out of this situation mm. because the situation, you know, was, was, so was, you felt very responsible felt to like, responsible. like you're the man of the house and yeah. you have to like step up. So what do I, mm. what, what do I have to offer the world? Right, so you're like, let me write graffiti, and right. not, and there's literally no money to be made. And I'm ten, and yeah, uh, I'm ten years like, old. I, no. got, I figured this out. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be famous somehow. Okay, okay. I'm gonna be famous because right. my grandmother already had this shit where she was like, kind of pissed off that she wasn't right. right. Like Brooklyn people always have this kind of attitude that they feel like they need to make good, like Brooklyn or Hollywood. It's like kind of like grow. It's in our DNA, right? Yeah. So. My nanny used to cut records at Woolworths and she was ill with the voice and everything. Uh-huh. And she'd be telling us like, she, and she was a little like out there. She'd be like, yeah, they stole my fucking song. They stole, you know, Soldier Boy from me. And I'm like, well, she, she's speaking the truth. I mean, I see she's cutting vinyl and maybe they did. And like, so I, we had it in us like, and my uncles were crazy storytellers. My older uncle. You um, felt like you are already, this is. Putting poisoning you in the position for stardom, right? And my okay, and my my oldest, my my uncle Jackie, my uh, mother's oldest brother, he got picked up and scouted at the parade grounds. He was like a crazy local legend, mm-hmm. neighborhood like sports figure, hero, and he got um, picked up by the the Phillies in the parade grounds for baseball. And what happened was he got pitched his elbow. Long story short, is that. He did summer camp that summer um, on the Phillies and then got hurt. But the idea was, you could something could happen if you put right, your mind right, to it. Right, we got the right, talent right. right. Um, so sixth grade, seventh, sixth grade, someone comes in with a magazine, a High Times magazine. Now in the sixth grade at lunch, the kids are smoking, you know, doobies. Underneath the Varazana Bridge. Go think about that. I think about my kid at night. I mean, I got so high off of that weed, but it is such fucking shit ass oh, weed. Pop, oh, seed, seed, little... seed popping. They were, listen, they were snorting rush. Yeah. <laughs> snorting <laughs> rush so at lunch, popper. smoking little tray bags. But these are fucking sixth graders. You right, know what I mean? Yeah, I think right. about my kid Young now man. smoking a joint. I was like, no I would throw him fucking, you know, I'd totally. Throw him, a so, beating, a beating. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I put him in jail. No. <laughs> so a kid brings a magazine, a High Times magazine. And like we're talking about this graffiti, you know, you see it on the trains, you see it here and there. And But in my neighborhood, it was mostly a, a bubble letter neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like cats did these bubble letters because mm-hmm. the BMT lines filled with like bubble letter cats. And there was a guy named Gas 69 that had bubble letters in the neighborhood. And Rodney killed it with the bubble letters. But when I got this magazine in High Times, it was an article by Glenn O'Brien about Lee Crayonas. Ah. Right? So when, you, when you're a little kid and you're getting anything graffiti, like anything that was down. But with, I mean, he's the master, you know what I mean? To like, no, to, right. And you open up this magazine and you see. A, Something a, that you can relate, relate to, to but, it, but, but it's to the highest but it's got level. A, it's got a of, bigger narrative. Right. It's got like, he's not only a graffiti writer. He's like a, a, pro, a prophet because he's talking, he's like a journalist telling you stop the bomb or, or totally. like no nukes and like Polit- it was the political graffiti so, like so yeah. around so that year like i got that in 79 like 80 right so then the next thing this girl comes in right she she's like i know you like graffiti and all that here michael and she gives me that village voice fucking newspaper that had all the train cars mm. the stop the bomb the hand of doom the cause yep and it made such an impact on me. I, I said, okay, I know what the fuck I'm going to do. And I went right to it. I went right to it. Like, so you were like, I'm going to be a train painter? Like I'm you want I want a piece. I want a piece on the train. I want a piece. I want a piece big. And I want to be one of the best. Right? So, and I had like that mentality like, um, there's nothing going to stop me because it's destiny. Right? I'm destined to do this shit. I mean, I, I was the type of kid that thought, like looked at... Drew Barrymore on the fucking uh, uh, the late night show and said that should be me up there like talking to Johnny Carson. I had it in my head like I needed to be. I that. had the same thought. Right. So right. <laughs> so right. So hence here we are talking shit like you know selling our bullshit to the world. Um, so that was it. I went to town and like that year I painted the schoolyard. Like we went off on the schoolyard and I did a no nukes piece. But in Bay Ridge, that shit doesn't fly. Right, because you have It's conservative. Like, it's fucking, you know, yeah, it's right super now. conservative. Don't bring your fucking hippie bullshit here. Right, my no mom, and my mom was part, like a hippie chick. So she's like, oh, right away. You know, she's yeah, right on, Michael. No war, fight no the war. power, right? Right. And the neighbor was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? They, they painted over it the next day. But right, I see. anti-government, but the I, whole thing. But right? I, they're like, what do you know about, you know, fucking nuclear war? I go, I know this shit is bad. And Lee Crionis told me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so... That was like just this, like me really like mastering the shit out of that and knowing that I was a little kid and I was a little kid, but I had, I felt like I had a, like a good insight and I said, I have to just start. I was with Rodney. He was the best in the neighborhood, but if I have to like, I have to find who the best are to be the best. Now, are you taking your younger brother with you and saying like, come on, we're going to write graffiti. Like, this is what we do now? Well, here's here's one. Like, my younger brother was always the Batman, like the Robin to the Batman. Okay. Right? He was a year and a half close to me, but we always physically were like very competitive and we beat the shit out of each other all the time. Right. But he, like, Back then, like even two years, you felt such like in those seventh and eighth grade, you felt so superior. Like, of course not, you did. So I, so I hung out with kids that were two or three years, four years older than me. Right. So I'd be like this to my brother, like, yo, beat it. Yeah. Take a walk. You're not coming with us. You're going to get like, in trouble. I'm the shortest guy right? here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but he would find a way always to tag along. Like he Aww, was, he, he so was, cute. 
he was like super, super like, but he was the cutest little fucker because he had Shirley Temple, blonde hair, dimples. I was like, I, I look soft enough, but he looked like a little girl. Yeah, right. Like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> the little sweet face. And like, it was like, and the bullies on the block and all that type of shit. Like my mom at an early age, like kids came for us, right? As soon as you start writing, the beef happens and it happens early. Mm. So there was one time like kids came to our block and we were working on go-karts. And this wasn't graffiti related. This was just Brooklyn in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a go-kart, my little brother. And we, we, we're little motherfuckers. And kids jump over the fence. And there was like this bad block in Bay Ridge that was like supposed to be where the Puerto Ricans came from. And all this, you know, the mm-hmm. Bay Ridge style. Like, But, you know, lo and behold, there was like 10 kids coming on our block. And they stepped right to me, switchblade, boom, to the neck. Like, yo, I want that bike. Like my name's Solid up with up your wallet. That, that was the that was the the attitude. It was like this the the bicycle's mine. Get the key for the lock. Who's home in your house? Who's home in your house? Like no one's home. My mom's home. The fucking you know. Where's oh, your father? they make you get the key to yeah. the lock of your own like yeah, and so come go, back and like unlock the bike. So them? peep this. So I go running upstairs, and I got a nick on my neck from the switchblade, and my mom's like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, Ma, they're trying to take my bike. And she said, Psh, Louisville Slugger, right down the stairs, come with me. She comes flying out of the door. Um, little shorts on, ass cheeks out, tied, you know, fucking heels like this. Mm-hmm. What was those kind of platforms? Like yes, early they were. 70s. She comes out that door, cracking motherfuckers. Bop, bop. You fuck <laughs> with my kids? Bop, bop. They start running. My mother ran track in school. She's St. Patrick's uh, school. She was like award-winning track star. She flew after them, jumped like a six-foot fence, one hand. Hot Italian photo. Crazy. (laughs) She went out. She cracked the shit out of them. Uh, That's Um, the kind of mom I want to be. So people knew not to fuck with us because they got a crazy mother. Right. Like, so, but... Oh my God! You think he's nuts? We meet his mom. But she, she took, she after that, like after that, there was like, like I said, there was bullies on the block. She knew I was into the martial arts shit. And like who wasn't at that time in the seventies? Mm-hmm. Fucking it was Bruce Lee, Evil Knievel. You wanted to be, you know, fucking Elvis Presley, whatever. She took me up to Third Avenue, and there was this place called Bay Ridge Dojo, and there was a bunch of little Italian guys that were like five foot four <laughs> that were fucking murk you. Right. They were ill. It was jujitsu, and there was no one heard of jujitsu at the time. That's it was called right, Nisado Jujitsu. Yeah, right. Well, well it, it 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 turned into a Brazilian thing, right? But in the beginning, it was by this Professor Florence V, and this shit came to Bay Ridge in the early '60s. So when I showed up at that door, it was like finding another mentor, right? right. Because I had Rodney as a mentor, but I needed something, and my mother's like. You know, right away. They Young were, men they were, need yeah, other, they, need they need men to guide right. them in many different positions and, in and, their life. And right away, my mother brings me in. They're all fucking flirting, flirting with her and all of that shit. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I fucking meet another graffiti writer there that it was a Cuban kid in my neighborhood that his father was a super in Shore Road. And Shore Road is like the nice oh, section. Oh, I know Shore Road. Bay my, Ridge. Yeah, my grandmother. But the supers, the, the supers of the building, they're usually Spanish or Cuban. Or, so NC was a, a, a graffiti writer that was at this dojo and I came into this dojo and right away I took to it and NC was like a purple belt at the time and I was a white belt and he was a badass dude he was like he became like another guy that became like a henchman of mine like we all were like crew we started finding a crew right, right. and um 
And I just, I wouldn't be scared to get on those trains and go to other neighborhoods. I don't give a fuck what neighborhood it was. I was going to it and I was finding the best of the best and I was going to learn. So now you're like, you're kind of getting your posse lined up, right? Right, right. You're starting to figure out the lay of the land. Right. You're painting trains. And 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 my confidence comes in from now I'm in martial arts. I'm in jujitsu. Right, right, right. I can and and it's but like it, jujitsu is like really like wrestling. It's a lot of well, my yeah. kid takes it. Well, so like the, pull at, the pant leg. Well, and listen. Like, at the time, well, it, the, the way it works is that every fight ends up on the floor. But the way this worked in the beginning, jujitsu was set up where it was like a lot of different um, martial arts in one. At the time, it was it was karate, judo, taekwondo. Um, some kung fu and it was a really nice mix of it all mm-hmm. eventually it would go more t- and and focus more on the floor gra- okay. more on grappling right but it was all around great like martial art mm-hmm. it was almost like jet Kron- like almost like bruce lee shit but but this was more japanese based rooted kind of rooted in in the foundation in judo okay um but it really gave me like an understanding of like a little bit of it, like you meditated beforehand it started giving you like a bigger world view of this little neighborhood that could be really stifling mm-hmm. because in my neighborhood and, and I say this a lot is that there was two ways out, be a gangster or a cop baseball, basketball for the, for the mm-hmm. young, for the young bucks that are training to be either a gangster or a cop, but there wasn't an outlet to be creative. And well, I, also I yeah. feel like in that time, like you lived in a neighborhood and you weren't really like roaming around to other neighborhoods. You weren't visiting. You just stayed in well, your listen, hood. Well, listen, Sunset Park was off limits, right? So Sunset Park was a Puerto Rican neighborhood mm-hmm. that you, you, like everybody in Bay Ridge knew once you pass the, you know, the, the Gowanus, once you pass 65th Street, it was like you're not allowed to go. Right. And the same way with Coney Island, like it was very territorial and very, very segregated, but- Another kid that comes into my life in in junior in in grammar school was another latchkey kid that mom was raising him. But he was he was originally from Sunset Park, but he was living in Bay Ridge with his mom. She needed to get out of uh, Sunset Park, and it's this kid Joey Hernandez. And Joey Hernandez, like these kids were older than me, but they would rob my f- books at homeroom because I had graffiti in my notebooks, and they like, oh, who's caves? Blah blah blah, and um. Joey Hernandez was like a Puerto Rican kid in the in in the school, so he's a minority, and he had, he would be fighting after school every day, and he was bad with the karate, and he had a painted Lee jacket that had a yin yang, super impressive. But he he didn't write, but he he liked my drawings, and he was just like, "Yo, shorty, ba ba ba." He became really tight with me, and he I would take him to look out for me while I painted. And he would fuck you up if you had a problem. Right. So he was like that older dude, another mentor perfect. guy. Right. So I had like this misfit, misfit crew. And then Troy, then I had Troy was a black kid in my school. And there wasn't a lot of black kids in the neighborhood. But Troy lived on the army base. So the army base would have black cats and would go to school. Mm-hmm. And they would bus kids into school too. Mm-hmm. That's the way it would happen. But our little motley crew were like all these kind of ragtag kids because it was like... It was an economy, it was an economic thing because I came from a, you know, the, the ghetto, the Gelston ghetto, like where it was welfare apartment buildings, one, you know, single parent moms and mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. And like on the same block, you have like homes with pools and shit and like rich kids that went to private school, like, ah, you know, you dirtbags, you know. Sure. So it became very outsiders. And we put together our little crew and it became 
it, it started becoming unified in Bay Ridge, and we started bringing a different flavor to Bay Ridge. So, so we would go to Sunset Park now. Is this when VB is born? Well, almost. So okay. Sunset Park was like off limits, but Joey Hernandez lived also in Sunset Park, and that was like, but Cess was there, AC, all of these like pioneering, all these graffiti kind of like legends, and Cess was a hand-styled monster. We're not talking about our, our Cess, Brad. S E S. S E S. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Wait, yeah. So this is like a, yeah. Um, shout out to CES and also rest in peace to S E S. We just lost them, right? So at the same time, this is all going on. Joey comes into the apartment building. We would hang out there and practice in the peace books and everything. And he starts showing us something that, that just blew our mind. He jumps down, he does some top rock and he hits the floor. He starts spinning on his back. He goes, you know, his, his, his cousins in, in New York City breakers. So he just fucking shows us some shit that we're like, what the fuck is that? Boom, we take to it like nobody's business. So now, if you're not writing graffiti and you're not out bombing, you have to kill time doing something. We stop breakdancing. And now you got to see like in front of our apartment building, we're on, you know, we're on cardboard. We're practicing like, like crazy. The neighborhood's in like culture shock. They're like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, it was <laughs> what the fuck like is going on? break dancing was humongous. Yeah. Yeah. And when I remember moving to Long Island when I was 12 and I was like, I'm never going to like relate to these people. And they had like a break dancing club in sixth grade or something. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Like, but break dancing was that big that yeah, like yeah. everybody right. wanted to be well, part of it. But imagine like, like, like. Bay Ridge never seen anything like that, right? So we start bringing it over to like in front of Century 21 on the weekends. We would have crowds of two, 300 people watching us do this. Are you like putting a hat out and making hat out, money? Yeah, oh, we're making yeah. money. We're finding like okay. I would make money doing canvases for uh, backs of lead jackets for okay. people or break dancing or doing little canvases for people or whatever. But you start seeing something like is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So the graffiti, like now I'm going into different neighborhoods and not only like sharing and culture and like bringing this and taking that and it's really a melt melting pot and it, it's a trip t- in the in the early days it was it was that it was so multicultural and s- the fabric like cats I mean, it still is, cats were sleep- but like you know people like to always separate it like cats were sleeping at my house my house was like the place to sleep over because my mom was a waitress right the babysitters like whatever like right. we'd sleep there watch fucking style wars and and um and King and Dreams Don't Die, King Sixty Five, and plan like the takeover, the takeover, mm-hmm. and and we organized and and because I was I was super talented at that point in my life, I was small, but I commanded a big audience, and my crew was like down to follow. Okay. So I had older cats with me. I had I had like a network. I had a network, and I was just like, okay, you know. Whatever gallery was going on in the city, we were there. SS was another part of our crew at one point, and she was 18 when I was 13. So these women, just yeah. to contextualize, there was two women that were like insane um, inside train painters, SS and Chick. Yeah. So, so SS is in your crew. So first... Not to cut out. And how old is she? Like, how much so older here, so is she than so you? Here, here's, like, here's what it is. So it's like. You know, because people don't even know about SS and Chair. So watch okay. this. So what happens on my block, we're breakdancing one day and we're writing and we're bombing and we're, we're, doing our, we're doing our thing. 
I meet another guy that becomes a mentor to me and like super muscle is a writer named Ant. He was one of like one of the biggest inside kings forever. Nobody talks about, but he was like this. He was like this fucking crazy. He looked like a Cougine Italian kid, but. Later on, we find out. Nobody he was, says Cougie. Right. Yeah. So he looked like a Cougie. He, you know, he, he said, I can break dance too. He was doing like this fucking kick dance and fun house shit. Cougie. And I'm like, man, you can't break dance, but you're still cool as fuck. But he was, he looked like a grown ass man at 15 years old or 16 years old. He looked like he was in his 30s already and he was, he was a big dude. So he's like, yo, this dude is just fucking a monster, right? But he wasn't really like a style master or anything like that. But he would bring me to go do pieces or do throw-ups or whatever, right? So Ant brings SS to meet us, and I hit it off with SS. And, so um, just just tell yeah. me, how old are you? I'm how old is she? So I'm like 13. She's got to be like 16, 16 uh, becoming 17. Okay. And she's on her own. Oh, really? She's not like, Ugh, I'm not hanging out with these 13-year-olds. No. But like I said, like I had, I had some sort of magnetism at right. 13 years old. It's like, hey, what up, Shorty? Yeah, was, <laughs> and and like it just became that thing where, like, my house, my mother always kept like open house. She would make pasta for everybody. She didn't give a fuck what color you are. Oh, she was so nice. open minded, and and like it was so like. Everybody loved her. Sure. And, and she was like, yo. They, you were accepted. And, and listen, it was like this. That's and, a big deal. And it was like this. It was like, yo, people in the neighborhood used to give her so much shit. And she was like, oh, fuck, go fuck yourself. It's, they're not banging dope or, or robbing cars. They're writing graffiti. They're like, give me, give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like, they just got over, like, all of that shit. Fucking attention in the 60s. Totally. Um, so that, you know, we were going out. Like, we showed up at Style Wars. The opening of style was SS, NC, all of these cats to represent our oh, neck of the woods. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and that's when I got down with um, a piecing master, um, Strider, mm-hmm. Bad Company. I did a whole call on New Year's Eve in 83 with Strider and Braze and a cat from Staten Island called Money. Talk about networking, right? So the Verrazano Bridge became... A fucking... It's a conduit. Came a conduit. Of culture. So I meet another writer named SG. Mm -hmm. And that dude had ill wild style from the IRTs. And we knew nothing about IRTs. And he brought me to bench on Atlantic Avenue. And this is where I first started seeing IRTs. Because I knew of Dondi and Lee. Mm -hmm. I knew... I used to go on the weekends. My father would come grab us on the weekends. You know, Sundays is like parent visiting mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, what do you just want to do? I'm like, I'm, we're not going to Aqueduct for the million fucking time. Or, or OTB. <laughs> I want to go to the city. And I would break his chops. He'd go, what the fuck are you going to that neighborhood for? I, I needed to find all of Lee's pieces. Mm-hmm, and I did. Mm-hmm. All of Daze's pieces. And I did. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame, the original outlines from Scheme and sure. uh, Chain, uh-huh. Chain and Dez. That became my religion in the sense where that was my holy grip bible boom Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna master all of this shit um so you come back to bay ridge and you got one up on everybody because you're bringing that style to bay ridge and like i said this cat from staten island was another innovator and then i met another writer lask from staten island which later on founded the wu-tang clan right so that's another story but this network was 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 real and my crew that's when the varizano boys was like a local neighborhood crew that i started Mm mm-hmm but I started calling it Vice Boys. I was going to ask right. you about the Vice Boys. Be- because now you think about all Didn't the- you guys love Miami Vice? Yes, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. 
Squad. Well, Vice Squad Six was a crew, right? Just imagine you in a little pink pop exactly. collar. Well, here, here you go. <laughs> so right, so I'm a b boy, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm totally down with this Lees and BVDs and all this shit. But mm. there was a there was a time when I felt like it was getting played out, and like my father was like, "Did you see this fucking show, Miami Vice? The guy's buying my style. He's not wearing socks with his with his loafers because that's some." That's some gangster shit from Queens. That's some Dominican shit right? too. Some straight gangster <laughs> shit could be Dominican too. So, so um, the idea was like we had this crew of kids that all hung out under the the girders in the Verrazano Bridge, and that was my stomping ground when I wasn't out bombing. But when it came on the trains, it was it was Vice Boys because I like the Vice shit because it's it's some you know it's like the quality of life shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's that it's that raw kind of. Um, outlaw shit fuck up a party right. with the fucking vice cops <laughs> right right so Vi- so vice squad I, I there was a writer that had a crew vice squad six i thought that shit was dope vice squad i thought that was dope but i think when i met when revs came to my block right so the word is is that caves and see all these guys they were on gelston avenue and the tbr crew the bad racket and all these writers but there's a writer in the neighborhood that wrote near the fucking bowling alley and it was a ballsy move because the bowling alley was on 4th Avenue and everybody hung out there and there was this beautiful wall that nobody would tag because you'll get your head broken. Okay. Fucking the gangsters at OTB were right across the street and the fucking bowling alley, you get your head broken. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, one night, there's this big Kirk fucking bubble letter piece with a city skyline on it. And we're like, what the fuck is that? Part of me was like, oh, it's a little toy, but but ballsy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was somebody that... that, that um. Another writer said, oh, that's this guy from such and such. I said, yeah, you should bring him to my block or, or, or something like that. So the next thing I know. Well, he's like a little Don. Yeah, the next thing I know, <laughs> like this kid CS brings um, Mike uh, to the block. And Who's Mike? The, so Mike at the time was writing, not Kirk anymore. He's writing uh, Revlon. Oh, you're talking about Revs. Okay, so yeah. for all of you people who don't know who right. Revs are, right. like wake the fuck up, number one. And number two... <laughs> He's like a g- graffiti god, a, right. a, a man, a man, the myth, the legend. He's he's bigger than life. So like, and I'm bouncing around, I'm jumping around, but I'm giving you, I'm giving you a bunch of background. But they bring Mike to the block. So you're uh, like, this guy's a toy. You're Kirk, right? At first, I was like, this guy, you know, is, I'm like, this guy isn't like. But what impressed me was the location of where he fucking okay. pieced. So right away, even back then, he was taking those risks, right? So he comes to my block, and I got my henchmen with me. I got NC and High Five and all the crew, and uh, you know, and it's like it's like some fucking wanderer shit where the baldies are there and they they split. And I'm the little motherfucker going, "What you write?" You know, mm-hmm. and they're telling revs that they write Dondi and Doro, and uh-huh. they're, they're busting his balls, and we just hit it off, man. Like he was like, he was he wasn't a tough guy. He wasn't like tough looking. He wasn't like he was definitely like somebody like. And people would joke around that he was more like a Richie Cunningham type, mm-hmm. but he always had a, his dog with him. And you were like, like you knew he was a good dude because he had a dog with him. You know, like right, right, right. cats ain't scumbags that hang around with dogs. You know what I mean? Like, and he was just it's like Tom Sawyer. He was more, <laughs> and he was, and listen, he was, and he was like three or four years older than me too. Okay. Um, and we hit it off. You're like high. you. I'm only down with the older dudes. It's like well, I, like well, I look at I look at it like this is like. Well, you were like you had to mature really fast. So like kids your own age. I didn't get along. Right, you're right. You're right. I like, like you I, had to no. like man up. I'm not playing like, marbles. Right, you know, right, yeah, yeah. right. So 
we become we become a force to be reckoned with. We start doing whole uh, end to ends, and we're just doing we like besides just piecing trains, we're piecing handball courts, we're piecing we're piecing everywhere. The city, we're running around all over the place, and we start developing more of a style. And I start like Rez will tell you, like in the beginning, he was trying to compete with my style. He's like Kazer's a little bit more advanced with the characters and the background and the lettering. So he was, you know, we were starting to become competitive even back then. Hence the spray can art wall. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you had Henry Chalafant at that time. I met him at Style Wars. I mean, it was yeah. kind of a big deal for Henry Chalafant to big. sort of pay attention to this little kid from Bay Ridge. A big deal. It was, it's a, it, it was listen, a very big was, deal. I can't even tell you how much of a big deal it was. It was like this. Henry, that book, uh, Subway Art, became, you know, you know what it's become. Anybody listening to this knows what it was. But when you hear that he's doing the follow-up book and he's actually going to, like, Except for Brad's fans. Brad's fans don't know what that is. Right. <laughs> so when he's doing a follow-up book to the Bible, right, he, he wrote the <laughs> he had the graffiti Bible. Right. For us in the 80s, right, because the 70s guys will tell you different. But when the word went out that Henry was, was, was rocking another book, I met Henry at the opening of Star Wars. And he was like, their big fight jumped off this whole shit. But I met him. He invited me to his studio. And... I showed up at his studio with my with my cats and 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 I met Lee there. Like, I mean, also like the nicest person, right? He was like just so super. It's like meeting Superman. And you find out he's just like he's as nice as Clark Kent, right? You know what I mean? Because right. he's like mild mannered and 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 the laugh that's contagious, totally, and not like one of these thugs. Because back then we dealt with thugs on the regular, right? Like, right. you got on the subway, you were risking your life. From cats that were older writers, young writers, there used to be squads of little fucking kids half your age that would fuck you up. Like, it was a constant every day. <laughs> somebody was beefing. Somebody was coming to your school to fight you. Somebody was coming to your house, ring your doorbell to fight you. And it was like a common thing. So, just to sort of yeah. go off off yeah. track yeah. Yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we're better off today with this whole, like, anti-violence, anti-bully um, you know, over par- parenting, helicopter parent thing, or or is, is it better to have like feral kids that are sort of left to their own devices to figure stuff out? Like, what's what do you think is better? Well, because I, you know, it's tough for me because I, right, because you have, I have a four kid. kids, and right? I, I know, kids, and they're all different. So you so, know, so every every kid has a different personality in a different way. Right. But as a parent. But like as an overarching. like Well, what? as a parent, like we're parents now that we're more in touch with our kids. Right. My father used to be, you know, used to be like, don't be a faggot. Get right. off the floor. You got a brick in your head. Go fight him. Right. You know, it was like, it was a different time. It was a different, like, it was, it was, it was a, it was a war zone. It was like gladiator school. It was combat. Like, totally. Do I want my kid to be in that? No, um, of course you don't. No, I don't want my kid to be in that. But is the world fucking cruel? And, and like, there's a lot of different demands. At least I knew when the punch was coming, right? Like, these kids now don't know when it's coming. It's like comes to them through the fucking email or the DM. It comes to them. Like, right. It's like more psychological the, warfare. It's psychological. So it's, it hurts just as much because I, I also. Was, I, I totally agree. I also, that. like, developed an anxiety problem as a child because I had post traumatic stress from my parents' divorce. And then I went through, like, the the. 
like gladiator school with graffiti and, and all this shit. There was always someone after you. Mm-hmm. Either it was the cops or the kids or, or there was both. always some sort of beef. There was mm-hmm. always, um, and I look at it like this. It's like everybody, I mean, everybody has to be a little bit more responsible and, 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 and pay attention. Right. Maybe violence isn't the, the first like step yeah. in. No. Right. No, that like, Right, it's not the first layer. Communication is the first step. Right, right. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You know, there's a lot of things that I don't like about today and there's a lot of things that I do. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's up to them to figure it out. Like it was up to us. But at least they have parents that are a little bit more involved in their lives. If they're lucky. Correct. If Correct. they're lucky. Correct. If they can't find the parent, they got to find these mentors along, along the way. Right? Right. They have to find their, you know, the Henry Chalafonts of the world mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the Rodney Reeses. And totally. The, and, the, and the aunts. And I think whether you have great um, in-touch parents or not, that's still super important yeah. to your development as an adult. Oh, yeah. It's It's... It's it's really um um it's 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 tough it's difficult I mean I, I didn't have it easy I did not mm-hmm. but my brother and my sister they all followed my lead and 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 we you know we started to navigate our own you know and we found these little nuggets of of of, of okay know. so now you got your crew you're painting yeah. um. With revs, you're being recognized by like the hotshot graffiti photographer. Right. You're so I do break this, dancing for cash. So I do this. So I do this. This handball court mm-hmm. that gets like city wide recognition because it was mm-hmm. three handball courts. I was fucking this big. The walls. I did it in one day, a day and a half. Revs does the three dimensional fucking uh-huh. piece, and we we put Bay Ridge on the map. I, like right. in that com- in that community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're we're doing train cars. We're going off. We're going wild. We get our boy Coast gets the fucking uh, Buick uh, Buick Regal, nineteen eighty five Regal. Fucking Spank Bohannon's playing on the radio. We go to Queens. We go everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're racking in Jersey. We're fucking racking in Staten Island. Now we're like, all right, we're gonna do this big. And I get popped in in uh, in Fresh Pine Yard. 
And I get popped by this, not just getting like. I was going to say, you know, do they beat you up? Did they arrest you? Did they do all, all, I got of, everything? all of it? Okay. I got all of it. And it made the daily news the next day. Mm. So there's a turning point. The youth's gone wild. Right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my friend Mike gets away, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And it makes the papers. Vice isn't nice. Three get uh, brush and graffiti <laughs> paint job. And I'm doing a whole Miami Vice, Don Johnson with the gun, the Ferrari, the no socks on. You know, I'm, I'm competitive. <laughs> and, and the reason, listen, and the reason why the Miami Vice should appeal to me, because it's guns, it's fucking cocaine, it's Ferraris. It was great. It's everything for a when young boy. When you're a child and yeah. Miami Vice is on, that yeah. was the shit. And, and the other thing, Michael Mann had this eye. He's, he's, he's putting like music Mm-hmm. music to like it's very clever it's super clever and it's super like the aesthetic was like new colors like everybody's burning with these colors but it's getting old already how many people are going to bite FBA let's do pastels right mm-hmm. so let's do something mm-hmm. and and who was innovative at this time that I looked to like was like an innovative graffiti writer was Ernie from New Wave Ernie was so innovative so I'm like yo I want to be more I want to be more like this this mm-hmm. cat mm-hmm. I want to be more like I want to burn like I don't like I dig FBA it was dope don't get me wrong they were like, everybody was there. But that was the go-to crew. You know what I mean? It's the best. I mean, to FBA. me, like, I love, yeah. Right. They, love that it. book, they would, you right. know, they, they mm-hmm. slayed it with style. Right. Um, but I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to bring something to the table. So I felt like, and at the time, I went to Soho Zat a little earlier in my career, and I racked a little um, Japanese animation magazine. And I'm like, okay, these characters, I'm going to put these on the train. Big-eyed, you know, characters. And, and, mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, so I'm trying to make my own brand, right? And, right. And, and, um, and I got fucking like, okay, I did a bunch of train cars. I didn't do as many as like, you know, that I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. they, they, they had influence for that neck of the woods. Like, like the Hambo Court, everybody and their mother came to see it. Everybody was talking about it. So that street celebrity it's so shit. so sad graffiti's like reduced to a photo now, right? Right. Like, so so, so you know? people would pilgrim. Like, I, like, yes. And then, and what happens is, is that when I get popped um, and it makes the news, like they know who I am. It takes the fight out of me. And it takes the fight out of me in a way because I thought that was the way I was going to become mm. successful. I thought that was my shot. So you just felt like this is over for you. Like you're just done. They know who you are. They're watching you. They were scumbags, you're, right? So they like, yeah. like the heat, the heat was on. And when you're in it, like, it was just like the fight. Like I tried to go do a whole car afterwards. I did one more whole car end to end in mm-hmm. Queens. But I was like, I was like shook. The anxiety level was like, and then I tried to come back a year later because Revs was doing top to bottoms. And I was just like, I can't let my boy fucking like show me up. But I was even shook even when I went there again. I was like, man, the fight left the, the dog. You know what I mean? And I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Um, I said, I'm, I'm kind of like in that place where I need to reinvent myself. And Troy, one of my boys, was emceeing. Oh. And, it, and he was good. And the way this, this the kind of the magic kind of like lines up is that there's a local promoter that owns a nightclub that does disco track acts like uh, TKA and fucking uh, Divine and um, Shannon. And oh, that Shannon music play song is the best song right. ever. 
So Bayridge. So Bayridge. So, so, Bay so <laughs> my friend tells me, yo, Caves, man, he needs a sign painter. His sign painter didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Guys are drunk. He, he was actually drinking like the fucking turpentine to mix the one-shot paint. The oh, was, my God. The guy was fucked up, right? So I show up there and there's this guy, fucking Ernie Barbary, straight out of like Goodfellas. Like he's the entertainer. He's like, hey, Mikey, Mikey. He's like, hey. I need I need your help. I need some science paint. I heard you good with that can. I heard you good with the spray can. Can you get me some science going? I'll give you 35 bucks. 35 bucks. That's a lot of money for them. I said, okay. I start doing signs from him. He said, Mike, you got to tell me about you. Come tonight. We'll hang out. Blah, blah, blah. He's playing an accordion. Like right? Dean, Dean Martin song. So he has like a <laughs> night in his club. And he okay. had a nice size club. It was, a, it was big in Bay Ridge. It was a big nightclub. And he's playing Dean Martin, and he introduces me all to the guys and the bartender from Benson. Us, this, that, and the third the half wise guys that are around. And he's like, you know, he wants to know about me, and he's telling he's me, "It's not like, like I got a little package for you to deliver." Almost, <laughs> almost. But he's like, I need. He's like, I need kids here. I need kids here. I heard about you. I heard that you you could you could make that happen, right? He's like, like Pied Piper. He's like, he's like, uh, <laughs> I love the signs that you did for me. And mm. I did like, but I blasted some crazy graffiti signs for him. So like, what were the signs for? It's they like, for come like, to the, cl- come to yeah, the so club. Yeah, so it was like, uh, next Saturday, TKA, you oh, know, scars, okay. scars of love, okay, you know, and like okay. this and that. And then, and so like, it was like a marquee almost. Marquees. And then he had like marquees all around the place. Okay. And, um, and you know, he was just like, yo, you can come bring your friends, blah, blah, blah. So now it's like. You want to talk about art imitating life, life imitating art. This was our 2001 Odyssey. This was our, I was John Travolta living out my fantasy. Like mm-hmm. we would walk in and the, the sea would part and we'd get the free beers and I have my little crew, blah, blah, blah. And he, one day he goes, here, here's a list of music. He goes, tell me what you think about it, whatever. Tell me, you know. And I'm like looking at the, the, the lineup and I'm like, fuck. Like it's all this music that, that to me is like, fuck. He just gives me like, uh, who Kara Lewis was the was the talent agent. So I go with the list and I'm like, my brother was fucking with this kid Carmine and opened up a record store. My brother was starting to DJ. Because another guy that we brought into the neighborhood was Frankie Bones. Because mm. Frankie Bones was bombing with me. And he was a DJ. My brother wanted a DJ. My brother had a little DJ crew. Um, so Frankie Bones... Uh, I get a job DJing there now. Who are, in your mind, mm. the top combo of graffiti writer DJ? Frankie Bones. <laughs> it has to be Frankie and and K Slate. Des. Well, yeah, K Slate. And like, who else is there? I mean, there's Ven, like his, okay. Bones' his little brother. They okay. became big in this whole but other Frankie world. But Frankie Bones is huge, so Frank and is, I feel like nobody knows so that he wrote So when we graffiti. were cruising underneath the L, okay. because people know, like I can get, I could tell these stories for days. Underneath the L was a place where all the kids used to cruise, and it was Bensonhurst. So that's where like that whole cruising scene happened, and we were car crazy, and we were into that whole culture that's not around anymore. It would take you three or four hours to drive down 86th Street, filled with girls, guys, cars, Girls from Long Island, New Jersey. You wanted to get a girl, you go to under the L, you cruise the L, mm-hmm. you pick up, blah, blah, blah. Frankie <laughs> Bones was the king of the L because every car was playing his mixtapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would he would work at more fun video. Scrawny Frankie like had like shit on lock. And you go to more fun uh, arcade by Caesar's Bay Bazaar and you buy a mixtape from Frankie Bones. He was the soundtrack to our to our and then he would do a lot of 
disco freestyle and then he was into hip hop too and this is early hip hop so your brother's DJ so now my brother Frankie Bo like and you I have walk, you're like um, living with like Frankie right. Bones like I walk as, into the fucking record store my brother Nolan and Frankie Bones is there and I and I see a record and the record like I'm like what the fuck is that I see these group of guys on cars like Cadillacs and 98 Regencies and they look like to me what we like gangsters in my neighborhood and and like look like like a reflection of us but they're it's a black rap group, but the imagery just stood out to me on some gangster shit, and it was a public enemy record. So I said, give me the record. I turned the record on, and Rebel Without a, a Pause comes on, and my heart dropped because, like I said, I grew up with parents that were Led Zeppelin down, and like, they, like they what were- What is this magic music? I was like, what the fuck? This is our Led Zeppelin, because you want your own thing. Sure. Your parents are cool. They got their own shit, but you want your own thing. When I heard that, I was just like, I looked on the list- Fuck, public enemy, Professor Griff's phone number. I was like, okay. I said, Ernie, I'm in. Like, I'm going to, you know. He's like, all right, Mike, I got three grand for you. Fine. For you do blah, blah, blah. You're going to produce these shows or whatever. He didn't even call it producing. He goes, you're going to, like, uh, promote these shows. I called Professor Griff up, started getting a dialogue with them. And then, man, it was just like that. Because I already was rocking Verrazano Boys jackets, three-finger rings. I was, like, already... The aesthetic was there, but the group wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, in my mind, it was like, like, oh, I get it. I said, graffiti is like, it's written, my written story. But maybe seeing could be my spoken. I could right. be, you know, and I'm thinking things of my, like, fall yeah, grease shit. I'm thinking of all this shit. pioneer I'm thinking in of the, all this like, stuff. the rap-rock hybrid. Right, I'm, I'm thinking, like, wow, okay. how can I put this together? So Troy, Troy MCs, he's got to show me how to MC, how to make a beat. My brother DJs, he's going to be my DJ. Uh, I started drawing stages. I had a train on the stage. Lords of Brooklyn was on the train. It was like, it all started coming to me. And now I've got to bring these groups to Bay Ridge. And this is like fight the power. This is like, this is a year before. So what is this, 88? This is a year before Spike Lee does, does okay. uh, do the right thing. Okay. And the mad shit that was going on, Howard Beach. Yes. Like race, like, like the, the racial tension Bay Ridge and Bensonhurst, like I would drive down, um, I would drive down um, 86th Street under the L with Troy in the back seat, and you would hear a, fuck, a bottle would crash at the car, and you would hear "Get the nigga out of it." Like it was so ill, and I was like, "What the so fuck?" Crazy. Was like, but in Bay Ridge, it was like a little light, lighter. Uh -huh. So like there, it was like. But then again, I also had like people in in Bensonhurst. I had Brat and Zane and all of those guys break dancing. But it was just a fuck. Like, city was just fucked. It was just like, everybody was fucking mad and, and wanted to fucking kill but each other. You, you know what I mean? you find, though, that people that are on the edge of the boroughs, that they're, they're, like, the most sort of, like, isolated are the yeah. ones that are, like, the most, like, racist or, like, the ones that, like, kind of patrol their neighborhood because they kind of don't feel included in the whole sort of fabric. They feel, like, so isolated. And that's why there's, like... I just think everybody was fucking... Uh, Fringes. They were yes. They were afraid. Yeah. Like the economy was fucking. Everybody was blaming each other why they they didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. It was just. It was left over from the fucking civil whatever was left over from the civil rights and and people like thinking you the neighborhood was gonna get taken over. Like my father used to have this whole shit where he was like, you don't fucking understand. They were busting in the fucking kids to our school to take away our rights to take away our thing i'm like what fucking thing 
You don't fucking understand. They were just as fucking mad and just as fucking violent. And and I'm like, okay, I don't understand because my best friends are are are, are, are right, like a racially like mixed. Yeah, group so of I don't people. So I'm I not, guess I had to. I guess you had to be there. I don't. I used to be like, get the fuck. Like I was like, you love the music, Frankie Lyman and teenagers, the mm-hmm, stylistics. Mm-hmm. You love the fucking Knicks, but you don't love the people. And he's like, shut the fuck up. What does a twelve year old know? You'll you don't know. If you knew, if you were there, you would know that we've. Did you ever get your face fucking punched in? Did you ever get your nose? But I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was over graffiti, like you know, right. like, and we got over it, right? And we got over it, and we learned to get along, like, and and I love him, but he has an old school mentality. That doesn't mean that later on I would see him like take the shirt off his back for somebody, and it didn't, like like. It's all facades. It's all like fear. It's all you know. sure. It's a shell, outer shell, be of stemming from fear of Bro, the unknown. Yeah, it's like for sure. it's like it's. So I started bringing these groups to 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 um to Bay Ridge, and then I found like and it's long, long stories, and I don't want to take up too much fucking time with the with the one thing, but it opened up doors for me. Now I had another avenue to write my name, and I and I and I put together the Laws of Brooklyn. Because of Chuck D, okay, and my and my meeting with him, and 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 the incredible like meeting that I had with him, and then I brought KRS there, I brought Big Daddy Kane there, I brought Biz Markie there, I brought where people were giving me death threats, like yo, stop bringing these fucking people here, they're not, you know, they don't belong here, right? Uh, the kids in my neighborhood, like minded. Our crew, kids from Bensonhurst, sure. kids from Kings Highway, because kids. they knew what's, what's yeah, up. Yeah, they, they 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 knew that what was, was up. The way. I wasn't. I wasn't. It was unlike right. I was like, I was just relaying the message of the way the kids were feeling. Sure. And I had the I had the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time to kind of represent that. Okay. And so, any opportunity that came to me, you know, I fucking jumped in like wholeheartedly, and that was. And that was me just grinding and trying to find a, just a, a way to get my mother uh, out of a, you know, sure. a sh- shitty situation. So now you form the band with yeah. your brother. Yeah. You guys are doing tours. Yeah. We 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 um we formed the band, but there was a, a bunch of years of like taking like, I mean, at the time it was maybe super impossible to get a deal as a white rap group. At I the mean, time. it was, it was yeah. great because what happened was, I mean, New York city, this was a great, this breakdancing thing, this hip hop stuff. It, it definitely was a melting pot. But at some point, I think it was like the success from vanilla ice and MC hammer. When things got really commercial doors started shutting because, because sure. the, the BC boys were like in a class by themselves. Like they Def were. jam was Def jam. The Beastie Boys had such an impact on everybody, but then they went, they kind of dis- like went away, right? Mm-hmm. And when Vanilla Ice came into play, it kind of like took like yeah, it made it corny white rappers because so, you know like yeah. it was it was novelty when the Beastie Boys was doing it, but it was dope. Yeah, it was novelty, but dope. Like there was there's the 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 craftsmen and the artistry behind it. There was no denying it. Yes, it went college. It went it blew up, and then like breakdancing. And rap for a moment, it almost became a fad. Correct. And then when uh, you know Vanilla Ice came along and the, and the the commercialization of that, it became a real trend. Breakdancing died. Hip hop took a different thing. So 
what happened in the hip hop movement, uh-huh. it started getting more pro black and more militant. For sure. And more experimental. Afrocentric. And more and, and more experimental because then you had like De La Soul and Tribe doing something kind of sure. like, and, but it was like native tongues, and For it was sure. like, and it, the African medallions, yes. and it was like, no, you're not kind of invited to this party anymore. You might have been, uh, <laughs> but then you gave us vanilla ice, right. and yeah. you shut out. <laughs> right, right. So look, you might have been, like there's like a whole thing against Marky Mark. Right. It's like you might have been invited because God bless the Mister Freezes, a rock steady crew, mm-hmm. and 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 how many. Uh, Sal from the Disco Fever. No, but this is yeah, our like, shit and right. we're doing our thing. Right. And we're doing our thing. So this party, you're not really it invited just seemed, to. Uh, right. White rap seemed gimmicky. Right. So right? It was okay. So, so, but we're on the streets trying to make a, a bonus for ourselves and there's nothing gimmicky about us. We kind of like, you know, we're, we, we get like, I get why, but I'm like, no, this ain't us. This is, oh, we were just, uh, you know, we were, you know, I mean, we paid our dues, right? I mean, but you kind of laid the groundwork for right. like the Fred Durst and right. the, so, you know. So check this out. So what happens is, is that all this shit's going on and the, what happens was uh, uh, something something happened where we were doing our demos. We had demos like Bomb the System. There was We got down with Videograph and we did that video at the end and Henry helped us put together our song called Bomb the System. And it was about graffiti. So I watched it yesterday. So <laughs> the cool shit about it was there was nothing like it and it and it spread like wildfire. And so we were kind of like doing this graffiti kind of thing and we also had come back to our neighborhood and we were, you know, we're, we're emceeing on corners and shit and we come up with this song called Baseball Bats and Beers and I'm going to tell you how it is in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's about baseball bats and beers. That's like, and we had this big chanty hook and I start shopping it to Tommy Boy. <clears throat> I'm shopping it around. And this guy, Kevin Maxwell, is an A&R there. And he's like, yo, this shit's dope, but it needs to be, we need to bring a little bit more, uh, we need to clean it up. Because it's raw, it's underground, but mm-hmm. we need to like clean it up before we can really shop it to, mm-hmm. to the labels. And he goes, but somebody beaches to it. What happened was, is that when we were shopping our first demos, it was about, like it was very graffiti graffiti based, right? Right. It went around to a bunch of labels and then people copy. And I'm not going to go into like specifics, but there's an, another group came out. That's and, right and with they, that song. And they, and they used the imagery. They used that. And I'm like, fuck, we got to go back to the drawing board. And we came out with the song Baseball Bats and Beers. And so Kevin Maxwell tells us, come in, come in. There's a group. There's a group I got to introduce you to. They're white guys from California. But their sound, they just got signed and he thinks it's going to be big. You should do some artwork for them. Now, I was doing artwork. That's how I got, like, when Public Enemy and KRS and all those guys came, I did all the backdrops. Mm-hmm. I did all of the piecing around the building. Of course, you were so, the marquee guy. <laughs> right, so I was a marquee guy. But I would also do, like, a neighbor like KRS, like, who the fuck is this? And, like, I started getting into the record labels where I could start doing art for them and logos. So you made the House of Pain logo? So, so no, I didn't make the House of oh, Pain right. logo. So they, he says, the House of Pain are coming in. Do some logos, some artwork. So I did some real graffiti heavy shit okay. for them. Um, but when they came into town, I met Danny Boy. Mm-hmm. And Danny Boy was there kind of because he was like the aesthetic guy of the group. And he was the, you know, he laid down all the groundwork of like the visuals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, we 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 run into each other, and he's born in Brooklyn, but never lived. Like he grew up like 
first couple of years of his life and he moved to California. Mm-hmm. He lived in Staten Island for a little while and then went to California. And when I introduced myself, I said, I'm caves, blah, blah, blah. I started talking a little bit about graffiti and he goes, you the same caves in spray can art from Brooklyn? Okay. Ah. They're spray can art. So I leave that meeting with him and he, he loved this stuff. But 15 minutes later, he calls me, beeps me. He's like, what are you doing tonight? And, you know, he never really seen Brooklyn the way I could show him Brooklyn. Sure. We hit it off um, at that moment in time. Um, I actually um, went to SVA for one year because mm-hmm. all my graffiti friends were going to SVA. That was like the graffiti school to go to. That was the one. And um, I was getting into a lot, a lot of trouble in, in Bay Ridge, in the bars, in Third Avenue. Like the drink fuck fight was like, it was it was heavy. Like we were, friends were passing away. Friends were going to jail. It was just, it was nutty. My friends were like, "Yo, you need to stop wasting your talent because they seen like you were right. You could go down the dark side very quickly." And I was going right. that way, right? Because Bay Ridge was like definitely, it's surrounded by bars. Growing up, you always wanted like attend the bar, sure. attend the park with the kegs. Like, like eventually, the alcohol is just like. You know, ah, the it, weed wasn't everywhere. Right. <laughs> For real, though. Like, right. you know, it's different. It's, it was. Yeah, but it's an what alcohol. What did you do at night? You it was just an alcohol driven. It was alcohol driven. And, and, culture, and like I said, sure. we had like the run of Ernie Barry's free booze, mm-hmm. free this and that. We were getting into a lot of trouble, but my friends were like, you need to come with us and 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 get re in, uh, re in touch with what you used to be. And that Reinvigorated. Was, right, with the graffiti and everything. Okay. And that's why I kind of like was like thinking of the idea on how to put together the Lords of Brooklyn the right way. Okay. So the meeting with Danny Boy, the next thing I know is like, yo, you guys, you want to come to Ireland with us? We need a bat. We need a, a, a opening ro- act. We need a roadie. Oh, you need a roadie. Oh, I went, cause I remember seeing you as the opening act. So yeah. So, okay. So a road. So this is what happens. I go to Ireland. I was Brad's roadie once. It's the first time. Listen, <laughs> the first, it was I the was first time I'm in Ireland. Lazy roadie. The first time I'm away from Brooklyn. The first time I've ever been anywhere. Mm-hmm. I went to Tennessee once for some girls' prom. I was never anywhere. Never. Planet Brooklyn, of course. Planet. So I'm in Ireland, and Danny Boy, um, I'm kind of like his man, like his roadie. Um, I, but are you like, I'm in the motherland, motherfucker. It's like, I'm home. I'm like, no, no, not like, like, you know what? What was crazy about that is like, the Irish stuff in my in my family, my, my grandfather died when when my brother was a baby. My other grandfather, like I say, was a country boy. He mm-hmm. was mixed. Mm-hmm. You know, he he had like he had some Irish, he had Scottish, he had German, he had Indian. So the the only I, Irish kind of like ident- identity was my grandfather that was a bus driver in the Jackie Gleason depot, but he passed away when when um, right, when, you when were I was very, very young. Little. So I know like I I identified more like with my grandmother and she, you know, like the Sunday sauce, like that, those kind of traditions were so in my So you felt head. more Italian than Irish? Yeah. For the most, for okay. the, for the most part, like I felt, I felt more like I didn't know what I was. Okay. I, I felt like I was Brooklyn. Right. I always identified with like, okay, I don't really know what the fuck we really are, but I know that we are this neighborhood. I know we are Brooklyn. Sure. I know from the from the romantic shit from my mother and father, how I thought about them, how they they were like this like this crazy little couple, like this Bonnie and Clyde. The Brooklyn romanticism happened hard for me, okay, and that's what I had identified with. And um, like I said, it's like I can go down the nationalities, I can go down how many different religions, but I'm like, what the fuck? I really don't know what flag to hold. And the flag was Brooklyn, 
So when the, the Lords of Brooklyn name, when Chuck D and them asked me, what's your crew's name? I was like, Verrazano, boys. But it was so, it was so marginal, it was so localized. So niche, right? My daughter, my father right away. And the Lords of Flappish movie, he played for me as a kid. Right. I was like, the Lords of Bay Ridge? I go, nah, that's, that's, uh. I said, but why? Fucking Brooklyn is all I know. The Lords of Brooklyn. I said, okay, I could rep. Like, this is before it was fucking hip. You know what I mean? This was like, sure. Brooklyn was like, you looked at, people were looked, yeah, like, Overseas, it was respected, but back home, like everybody, you know, Brooklyn. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I still feel like so, that. <laughs> so, no offense. So, so, I, so I went to Ireland. Danny boy got sick, fucking probably from fucking the warm Guinness or whatever it was. He got food poisoning, and I had to take his place that night. So I really haven't really hit it off with Everlast yet because okay. it was kind of like reserved. Okay, Vita was mad cool, but Everlast was super reserved. And t- until I backed him up on stage when Danny boy was sick. They both decided, like, here's a microphone. You need to be on stage with us. And I said, I'll be on stage with you guys as long as I can rock my Lords of Brooklyn vest. So then they let me rock my vest. I became a backup singer for the backup singer. And I toured with them like a motherfucker. Okay. And and the Lords of Brooklyn, well, I was paying my dues while my boys were home, Scotty Edge and Adam, sharpening their craft. Okay. My brother learning how to produce because he was a DJ. He took to uh, making the music. Are you like, boys, pack your bag. We're going to Ireland. <laughs> Almost sort of. So I went, to, but, but this is what happens with me. I'm kind of like an anxiety mess. Okay. Because I, I never left home before. Right. Halfway through the tour, I bitch out. I said, Danny, like they had some crazy uh, road. It's uh, a grueling uh, existence. Yeah. I, that's, uh-huh. and, and, but for them, but they were kind of like, they were kind of the shit in Ireland. They were kings, right? Like, sure. Uh, but I never been away from home. I've never been away from my mother. I need my <laughs> like, mommy. Right. I need my mommy, right? Like, but the anxiety was like I had for the first time like like panic attacks. Okay. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on with me. Sure. Um, so Danny was uh, like he fucking broke my chops. He's like, motherfucker, I got to pay for you to go home. So I said, yeah, I got no choice. I got to go home. I went back home. As soon as I walked in my door, my mother made me some fucking soup. I was back on the Third Avenue Festival, rocking rhymes, like because I was gonna miss the Third Avenue Festival, and I was back with my crew, and I was fine. But I was like, "What the fuck was that?" I thought I was dying there. I thought I, I was I was on a bathroom floor, like for two days, throwing up because I couldn't understand what the fuck was going on with me, and that was like the first signs of like, I mean, I had signs of anxiety. But not like this. It was the first. So panic weird how attack. the gastrointestinal tract are so it's so the stomach and yeah. the whole digestion is all caught up in then like anxiety. Yeah. And how they're like it's all the second related. second brain. Second brain. Stomach second. So so here, long story short. So now you're like, okay, I'm home. We're gonna fucking do this. We're gonna do this. Okay. I, I start I when I was in SVA, I started thinking about a marketing strategy. Right. I was thinking about like how am I going to market this group? Because I don't got the funds, I don't have okay. the capability. But I said, let me, let me, let me start putting some of my ideas on T-shirts. Because I was going to say and on my notes is- here, I have early streetwear. Yes. So I feel like you guys were so early with that. Beyond we're, early, like so- and. You know, that's when I was coming, when I was coming, and you guys had, like, a store. <laughs> I was like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> well, this is this is what it is. And, like, like, hang yeah. tags and, like, a way more sophisticated packaged product than just, like, 
uh, like yeah, street corner hustle. It was right. basically what happened was is that I'm in SVA, and, and I, I also remember when I met you and your crew, you all had like Leatherman patched jacket, yeah. like team jackets. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, when that all <laughs> so 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 imagine that like so that a lot of that stuff stems from like like my father's influence with the gang with the gang culture, right? So the Lords of Flappers jacket becomes a Varizano boys jacket. I went to Queens when I was a little kid back in like 87 or something um, to the mall or 87 or 88. They had the, um, it's losing my mind right now. It was a, a Korean lady that did the jackets for um, LL Cool J and Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. I seen LL on the back of his um, uh, cover. He had the LL Cool J with like the college kind of like mm-hmm. uh, tackle twill type thing or whatever. Um, and I think on his record, he said it was like a mall there and I'm blanking on the name. So I went there in the middle of fucking wherever in Queens somewhere. And got like, a Varizano. Could be another right. fucking planet, Queens. And, um, I got the Varizano boys and, and, and the, and the, no, la- but the Lords of Brooklyn jackets were like Japanese or right. something. Well, so, so what happened was is like, she also spelt it wrong. She spelt it in effect with an A and I, to, the, to this day, I get my balls broken because I let her spell it. Um, <laughs> And you know, right uh, now you know you got to write it. So, <laughs> what happens is that when I'm at SVA, I'm meeting like artists and shit. They someone um, gets hit with they're doing silk screening, so I say they're like a barter for some you know shirts to make up. And I did the um, the Lords of Brooklyn logo, and I think Mars and 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 once they we and Scope we were all in on like putting together this packaging. And I said, boys, I need packaging. Because I'm going to make a faux train car. And you open it up and our demo tapes are going to be in the train car. And I'm going to have a t-shirt. And on the t-shirt, we're going we're gonna to market the brand, the, the band. I also remember you had something in a pizza box. Yeah, so that comes later, right? So, so the it was band, so good. So the t-shirt, I write on the back of it, the turnstile hopper, fuck the copper, Lords of Brooklyn. And at, the, at that moment in, the, in that, like, this whole street uh, where thing is starting to, like, catch on i bring the shirts because i'm selling them out of the back of my car now mm-hmm. and someone tells me i don't know if it was Hayes, i don't know if it was might have been stash it might have been somebody that that hit me to um james over at stussy mm-hmm. he had a store called union mm-hmm. and i showed him i had a you ca- mean james from supreme yeah <laughs> you know james from stussy <laughs> right yeah right so <laughs> i have i have a black and white photocopied because um, Peter Ant had an air conditioning company and he would let me use his photocopy machine. Mm-hmm. And there were some stickers that I was able to run through the photocopy machine to start plastering stickers of the Lords of Brooklyn. So to me, this is all like street kind of guerrilla marketing. It is. And um, the t-shirt, well, I was like, the, the ultimate fucking walking billboard is a t-shirt. For sure. So let me put this on it. And I go to James and he says, okay, I'll buy it. I'll buy, you know, whatever you got. And he puts it in Union. And in Union... It's not from not for concentrate, and it's maybe three other brands that. I mean, Union was the store. Was the place? Yeah. So, but right before that happened, the New York Times ran an article: rap with a graffiti beat, rap with a graffiti beat, and tells about me putting my fucking lyrics on the back. They were my lyrics uh-huh. on the back of a T-shirt to, to Lords of Brooklyn, and it, and it and it also tells me that I'm going on tour with the House of Pain. Um, and I'll be in their new video. So House of Pain gets me to do all of that kind of like scouting for their video, music video. So mm-hmm. I bring them to Bay Ridge 
And people think they're from Bay Ridge because there's a big Bay Ridge presence there in Shamrocks and Chanel. After Jump sure. Around, Shady did that one, but they came to me for the set sets. Um, and at the same time, I was doing the John Gotti railroaded shirt for John Gotti when they were having the 4th of July. So I get Everlast to wear one of the shirts in Who's the Man video. And I'm marketing my shit on T-shirts. And I'm like, yo, my boy Larry and I are selling them out of cars. I'm like, I need, we need to open up a store because the only place that I ever seen anybody with anything graffiti was a place called Soho's at. Mm -hmm. And it was barely, there's just, you know, tiny store. There was a tiny store that had like graffiti, like the face two thing. And it had a few things. The magazines and yeah. And I never seen like a graffiti store. And I'm like, yo, fucking graffiti writers, we should have a fucking graffiti store. And let's call it BMT lines. And I took, you know, and we just said, okay. I it opened. was so cute, Brad. They have like little turnstiles. I know. Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. So, so we, we, so, and Don, and so at this time also my wife, that was, was my girlfriend at the time. Um, I dragged her to SVA with me. Like, You're getting, they're not going to fucking Hofstra. You're an artist. I'm an artist. We're going to go to SVA because all, all our boys are there. Mm -hmm. All our people are there. And she got into like graphic design but she also was like her father was like father was ill like old Italian cat that built the trade uh, World Trade Center they were ill with their hands so she was like a sculptor and she she built me a fucking front of a train car I mean inside it was the store such a good store and and we robbed all of the fucking the uh, subway signs well, everything yeah and, and we made a fake uh, bills for it or whatever and I had like lights and lamps I had everything we like deconstructed the fucking double R train and totally. reconstructed it in the store and we had like the first graffiti hip hop kind of like, you know, merchandise store. For sure. And it came and then the next thing you know, it like started opening up. Like people see me on stage, they see me in the music videos, they want to know who the fuck we were. And uh the Japanese kids started coming. The Japanese came hard and came fast hard. for you. They were they were sleeping on my couch, Nigo and uh neighborhood and all of these yep. crews. And they, BQ, remember BQE? Yeah, BQE. And they, <laughs> and they and they and they bought everything. And at that time, we were starting to get deal. We were getting offers for a record deal. Right. And the first offer we got was from Polygram, and Lethal was supposed to produce us, which ended up never happening. And we had a falling out. Mm -hmm. And Amanda Amanda Demi at the time was coming back home from California. She managed Cypress Hill and House of Pain, and mm -hmm. she had. She closed down Buzztone. They had a falling out there. So Remember she, her parties? Yes. So she came to New York and Mark Pearson, Sake. Oh, Jesus, Mark Pearson. Sake. Mark Pearson was our manager. He came to my store. Where the fuck is Mark Pearson now? He's, he's fucking great. He's, he's I, I'm going to tell you about Mark Pearson, but. Um, after after we're off, tell him I say what's up. But we don't need to talk about Mark Pearson so now. We want to talk I love about Mark you. Mark Pearson. So, yes. Sake, so Sake. Sake came through my doors <laughs> when I had this store. Okay. And, and he he just got off of managing third base um, MC Search mm -hmm. and the Nas thing. And he came through my door and was like, I want to manage you guys. And man, I knew him from graffiti. I knew him from, you know, from the, from the neighborhood. Um, and I said, and he was a great person. So I was just like, okay, we can make this happen. So then for some reason he was talking to Amanda Amanda comes back to New York in a fucking fierce way because she just left there like a ball of fire mm -hmm. and says, um, fuck, you know, um, fuck the poly de uh, polygram uh, deal. Um, I'm going to get you a deal with Rick Rubin. But what I'm, what I'm, what I'm skipping, and it's probably the, the biggest turning point in my life. Um, 
my mother. Your mother and your sister no, got no, killed. No. So all through this struggle, right? And you and your girlfriend raised your little yeah, brother. Little brother right? I so, mean, yeah, yeah. So like, so through the struggle, like I had this, I had this, this mother that was like, yeah, she was like the the larger um, than life. Yeah, she was the reason why. You know, right? Your your purpose. Yeah. You were going to take care of your mother. Long story short, she had a she had a volatile relationship with a second husband, um, and they had two kids together. My little brother was six. My little sister was four. I loved them to death. I adored the shit of them. I felt like they were mine. The way sure the way we we had a role, and we. Um, the deal fell through with Polygram with Lethal. We had a falling out with the House of Pain over uh-huh. it. But we also got asked to do a Jim Carrey uh, soundtrack for The Mask. Okay. So we went out to California and um, we had the opportunity, but we do a song and it's too fucking hard for that movie. It was, it was about beating okay. people over baseball bats or whatever it was. It was it was just, it wasn't right. But we got paid for it. We were like, all right, this, 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 we already get news from Amanda that we might get the second deal or whatever. Um, it was like my mother's hopes for us to make it was super, super like it was on the cusp. And right when the thing didn't happen with the House of Pain, it was like we all were like, oh, we, we, we were like really like. It sucks. We were, it sucked because the A&R came to my house and told my mother that we were going to be huge. And my mother was just like telling all her friends and I was out in California and my mother told her friend like I can't wait for my son to come home and we could have coffee and talk because we talk every morning over sure. coffee and um, when when uh, when we were flying home there was a terrible storm on the plane terrible my brother looked at me like something's you know like he's like let's get home you know and I go to sleep at my um, at Donna's house because I'm feuding with my stepfather, fist uh-huh. the cuffs like right. crazy, like like ill shit. Uh-huh. I'm not allowed home, and my mother's there. Um, but I'm gonna sleep at Donna's house. I'll take a shower there, and I'll go visit my mother in the morning. Adam goes home. Um, so my mother's excited for us to be home. She drops off my brother at school, and she says, "Let me go get bagels for them, and go get food for them." And um. At the time, my mother got me an apartment because I wasn't allowed back home. Mm-hmm. So I got this apartment. She was cleaning up with Donna, painting it. My mother was physically there right. painting it. And there was like a little drain, um, a stopper uh-huh. that she asked the guy in the corner, like, I need to get my son a stopper for the sink, blah, blah, blah. She leaves the corner store to cross the street and she gets killed by a, a, a hit and run driver in a truck. Um so it's just so horrible. So that um is a is something that that forever changed yeah, you. Forever. I mean the whole yeah. right. So now it's more about fucking just about ego. It's about my me growing up as a kid, the graffiti writer. This was like everything that we worked up to since I was 10 years old to I was 24 you years had to old. Throw it away. So it was of. it was like it was like the real the real thing was is is like like how do we survive this? Because anything I like, I I dreamt of, of my life like a movie. Sure, I always did. Like here's the beginning of the movie. 
here's like here's like the action part and like the happy ending like i'm gonna get this this woman she said to me you go to california you're taking me with you and it was Listen, always our dream. Mom, i just want you yeah. to know your mom is so proud of you mm-hmm. she's watching everything you do i i um i i come to believe like that you know it has to be for a reason right like I don't. I. I can't think about it. I. If it was all for nothing, I. I. You know why? Why go on? So I. I go on because I figure like it's got to be for something. Well, it made you step up and reprioritize your life and yeah. focus on your family. Right. It did. And, so and I had to that, build. So I had to build. I had to. I had to build like. But I had to first go show the world that these Brooklyn kids, like this, this my mother didn't die in vain, and that, I, that right. we were somebody. Right. So we went, you know, we told the world we fucking put it down hard. So when did and, you yeah. decide to sort of like stop that and sort of like jump into tattooing? Well, the fucked up thing about it is, is that you never know when to stop. Like when the, when the party's over. Right. When the, when well, the, I know you guys still when the perform. Over. Yeah, it's like we, we slowed it down. Like uh-huh. we, we did, we did kind of put it on but ice. I mean like 30 years later and you yeah. draw a huge crowd. Listen, we, we've, we've accomplished so many beautiful, incredible things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel like. That has that has a lot to do with what happened to us, and also like, um, I'm very grateful and fortunate because I wouldn't have the family and the friends I have today without that kind of thing happening to me. But what I I would I would trade it all for a minute. I know. Just to just to just to have that cup of coffee again. But but I trade what I have now. I know. You know, like you you I fight know. with that all day. I, I got know. I got to you know. I, gotta, I would have loved to show my father what the kind of woman that I turned I gotta, into. Yeah, like, of course. He, but he didn't get to see that. He got to just see the scoundrel, you know? Uh, like, yeah, listen, I got a daughter that's just as as, as as spicy and funky as her, you know? Like, right. and, and my brother has beautiful kids. We all have... We all have this story that's an incredible story, right? She's in you. Like, right. she's part of you. She always you know? got, She always going to be. And... and um. So when you say in the beginning of this is like you're a renaissance man, I'm really just a survivor. And yeah, I, but you f- pick a way to right, survive right. with panache. I try. Right? <laughs> right, I try. I try to right, like. You're not just like I'm surviving. You're like I'm thriving. Yeah. Well, listen. Right? I have a way. Like I treat it all like to me. It's to art. It's art. If it's building a restaurant, it's like a it's an art installation. If it's telling my story through the paintings, through the music. Um, I got mad at Tara one time. He's like, you're a jack of all trade, master none. I'm like, Tara, I'm a jack of all trade, master life. Because this, 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 um, who hasn't had a fight with Tara? This, listen, this, 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 <laughs> this palette of, of different mediums that I choose from. I'm so fortunate that I could go do tattoos because when I got home from being like on tour, there's, you know, if you're on the road, you know this, that you you might be a starving artist the next day because when the show ain't on anymore, it ain't on. You got to reinvent yourself. So Danny Boy gave me the tattoo machine and was like, if anybody could build a house out of this, you can, Caves. I know you can. You're fucking, mm-hmm. you know, he just text, he just wrote on one of my posts, you're a prince of all men. Prince Caves came from my mother writing in a baby book, My Little Prince. Do you know what that did to me when I seen that in a baby book? Mm. That my mother thought of me as like royalty? I've always treated my, like, no matter how tough things are, how much you're hurting, whatever, I always treated it like, 
we are royalty, right? We're like mm-hmm. Brooklyn royalty, and we have to stand up and 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 present ourselves as royalty, even though behind the scenes it's crumbling apart. Like I might look good on the outside, but on the inside I'm fucking you know a wreck. Um, and you like that? Uh, you know, that's your thing. It, it's fine. <laughs> Like I'm crazy enough to build a restaurant and have it open for three years. It's so fucking let's crazy. So let's talk about your restaurant. Right. Where's your restaurant? What's it called? Where do we go? How do we get to it? <laughs> the um the restaurant's called the Brooklyn Firefly. Um, tradition carries on. It used to be Lentos Pizzeria. It was there since the 30s. I heard your wife's behind the bar. Your kids in the kitchen. My sister, my sister, it's... my sister Chrissy, the little one with the uh-huh. babysitter. She 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 runs the show. This is the dream, Don, dude. Donna Donna does Donna does the the. Uh, the puppetry behind um the puppet shows my <laughs> she does the puppet she, she, show no, she does all she does all the book she you know she does all the, the payroll and all the you know she does all Back the te- office. all the technical crazy yep. shit but um my son blaze my my um my firstborn um just uh, graduated culinary school and he's the sh- pizza maker so I so my grandmother's and uh, my mother's sauce and meatballs and like all that Sunday it's shit. It's a beautiful story. I it, love that. It's family operated. I got all my family there at any given moment. Um, but it's a it's a tough undertaking. It's a, a, a full like pizzeria, bar, jazz Restaurants club on the weekends. Restaurants are really hard. Super also, hard. talk about hardest. anxiety. Yeah. Like when you're dealing with yeah. perishables. And the truth, right? Like and, the clock is freaking ticking. And, and listen, <laughs> yeah. and, and the truth is this. Is like it, any endeavor that I got involved in, I've never did it alone. I always have incredible people behind me, mm-hmm. incredible friends, incredible. And I've also had partners along the way. Sure. You can't do this shit alone. What happens is like with a lot of partners, um, you you have a lot of dance partners. Not, not every time you're going to, you know, you're going to step on each other's toes. And, mm-hmm. and some some relationships start off always great. And then as soon as... You don't get what you want out of it. It goes bad. I, a lot of great people helped me get here. Mm-hmm. A lot of great people. I'm not involved. It takes, with, a, it takes a village. I'm not involved with, and it doesn't mean that that it just didn't. It's like some partners didn't work out along the way, uh, and some do. And you know, I couldn't get here without all of them. Even the ones that I'm not talking to anymore. Shout right? out! To, shout out to right. all of Cave's partners that have helped him through right. Right. through all of his endeavors, and right. shout out to everyone who helps people yeah. in general. Shout out to the village. Yeah, shout right, out right. to the village, man. Shout out to the village. Like it takes it takes like, and believe me, I just opened up another. There is no one no. one man one woman armies out here. No. It, there's a lot of people behind the scenes. I, I just like. For me to, to to be the artist that I am, to create these things and keep striving to find things to make every like, and people get like whatever they get out of it. They but you're get, doing yeah, it for right. the greater good yeah. of the village. I try. So that is right. be, that is a beautiful thing. I try. So and right now you have a show of yeah. paintings. I have a so this is my first one man show in ten years. Um, I've also been super fortunate to be. The graffiti thing never left me. The art never left me. And I come back to it all the time because it's really who I am. For sure. And it's really my first love, right? So you always come back to your first love. And, and it's like the paintings is like the way I breathe, right? So now I take all of this 50 years of wild craziness and I put it back into the paintings and let the paintings speak. And so I have a show in Industry City. So Industry City is uh took me on there and I opened up a new shop called Pigtown. Amazing. After my father's uh, After your daddy. Father's gang and um 
It's the old luncheonette that my grandmother used to own. Shut up. I have like a facade of luncheonette and I'm I'm spinning it again like like BMT lines and all of these things. I'm always trying to improve and trying to pioneer something and 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 this shop is in like a pioneering section of Sunset Park and I did the show it's at the Court Tree Collective and it's there's a gallery on the floor cuz there's some brilliant like makers and artisans that have retail shops there okay. and they're really sweethearts and like-minded people and my girls at bus magazine are over there yeah so so shout out to industry city crink's over there crink is Who? doing crink. No, anyway yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, so then uh so um and i'm back reunited with my old pal man i'm back with uh like revs just gave me a hand on on, on getting my first sculpture uh completed so you're basically you're back with the ones you love, right. doing your thing. Yeah. There's many things you do as the Renaissance man you right. are. I'm also, I didn't tell you this. I'm, you're, I'm, fa- you're all five motherfucking elements, it's motherfucker. 20, 2020 comes out also. Last year, um, I was also in the new Sopranos movie. So that's coming well, out. Also, I didn't, we talk, didn't talk, we didn't talk about, about any of his films <laughs> well, you gotta, and all of his you, shit. You He's could an have actor. Me, you could have me back. Rapper, actor, you, you, and a singer. You could have me back. You could right. have me back. We could talk about so that. So how do we catch up with all things caves? Follow go, caves on Mr., uh, on Instagram, Mr. Caves. Mr. Caves. Uh, and, uh, Pigtown Atelier is where you'll you'll get us tattooing you at. And um, and the Court Tree Collective has the art show that's going on for a month and, and a half. And your website is? Uh, MrCaves.com if Mr. you want to get it on. Yeah. Also known as Citizen Cave. Citizen Cave. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. It's like. Open up your fucking eyes, people. Yeah. He's Come everywhere. Come follow me. Follow me. Come say hello. <laughs> Thank you, Claw. Thank you. It's been too long. Mwah. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. It's all about it's all about your mom, man. Oh yeah, moms are um, moms fucking run run shit. They really do. For real, yeah. I For wish, real. I wish my kid fucking would get the memo. <laughs> he will when it's too late. <laughs> I know. He's like, no, she's a bitch. <laughs> um, to find out more about. Mr. Caves and all of the interesting things that's going on with him, you can go over to his Instagram. That's how I always start. And that is Mr. Caves, K-A-V-E-S, Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R. Put them together and you get Mr. Caves. Um, You can find out more about the Lords of Brooklyn. They're all over YouTube. They have so many videos. And it's just... It's very cute. I love it. It reminds me. It really brings me back to when yeah. I, those days of when I was young. Um, you can go to his eatery, the Brooklyn Firefly. I'm dying to get over there. Yeah, and get sounds some, like fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you and maybe family maybe run you, restaurant. I right? just love that idea. Let's go over there and see if we can glom some drinks. 
<laughs> and uh, you can get some ink too. Maybe, uh, maybe I just, you sent, get I just sent somebody to him. Pigtown Tattoo Atelier, baby, and um, I believe he is also coming out in the new Sopranos movie. That's oh uh, really? Yeah. Oh shit! I mean. If you need a cuisine, you need a cuisine. I don't know. I mean, if you've heard of Sopranos, it's a, it was a Sopranos? little TV show. It was on um, la, 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 la. <laughs> What would you say I was? I'm not a soprano. I'm a falsetto. No. <laughs> I'm a, come on, really come soprano. on, music man. You're come on, alto. I'm not an alto? Tenor. I'm a tenor. <laughs> I'm tenor. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, um, you know. Uh, push my my opera my opera, the opera terms. career my, right my, here at the end of our career. podcast. That's right. I'm a Renaissance. <laughs> so Luban. yeah, if you wanna if you want Claudia to come sing on your opera record or act in your movie, she's she'll be glad to do that. I will do it all, honey. Um, Have you ever been in a movie? I was an extra in Ghostbusters when I was in high school. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you get on screen? No. <laughs> But my friend's mother did the casting, and she was like, do you want to get paid $50 and eat bagels all day? I was like, yes. <laughs> Brad, I was dream. also in a couple of documentary movies. Well, I know you've been in docs, but I mean. Have I ever acted in a movie? Yeah, exactly. No. Seems like. Seems like I would be so good at it. Seems it. like somebody should have at some point asked you to do something. I feel like it's the easiest job in the entire world oh, to be God, an actor. acting is so easy. It's anybody so, can do it. Anyone can do it. Also, anyone can sing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or play bass. No, but uh, <laughs> but that's true, kind of right. Like bass players, right? You don't have to be the best musician, right? You just need to know like those four, yeah, like dun 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 dun. I tried to also play bass as a child. My uncle bought me a bass for my bat mitzvah. I begged him, and it was like a child's bass. Didn't I? Tell, I think you I still have it. Me. I need right. I, said, I need to bring, it, bring it, it over. I do. I do. I need to find it. Um, mom, I'm I'm coming There's over. Still this time. Um, There's still time for your career. But I couldn't, I still couldn't do it. And I have, like, the only thing I kind of have is, like, rhythm. And, like, I should have played drums or something. Like, bass wasn't for me. You should have been a drum programmer. No, I think I could. I really think I could drum. Okay, okay. I mean, I do, like, elaborate. there you go, yeah. Oh, amazing. I am a thumb drummer. (laughs) Ooh. No, but, like, I, I'm, I'm good at that, the beat. I'm not musical. You know who else is good at the beat? Bubbles. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Bubbles is a beat master. I'm trying to get our credits rolling here. Oh, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, who else is good at that? Not only is he good at he's good at everything musical. Bubbles, Bubbles is so good. I got to, I got to, you know, I got to hit Bubbles up for some, I got, I'm looking for a piece of gear for a project I'm doing. Bubbles, if Bubbles you follow Bubbles' gear. Instagram, <laughs> Bubbles is getting new gear, like, every oh, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. week. Yeah, he yeah. is, like, pillaging. He's, he has an addiction problem. Bubbles, Bubbles NYC on Instagram, find out uh, when their next show is, and be there, okay? Yes. I don't want to hear any excuses. And just stream Bubbles on Spotify. It's if so there's the it's show. so good. If you're it's listening so from out of town, out of the country. But you want to know something interesting about Bubbles? Bubbles uh, is yes. a, or half of Bubbles. Do you think that like the other half of Bubbles listens to this and, and just and curses it's is like he like totally like fuming, right? But like, we never like, we hardly ever say who his name who we're talking about. So maybe we could be talking about either either half of right, Bubbles. Right, right. So maybe <laughs> the other half of Bubbles that we don't talk maybe about. Maybe I'm talking about one half of Bubbles and you're talking about the other. No, half. we're talking about the same <laughs> the same bubble. 
We are talking about the same exact bubble, but it actually, it actually bubble half of bubbles is an actual real person. <laughs> he Not just a drum machine. Is also a Renaissance man, and he would be great on the podcast. Oh yeah. I mean, You're right? And he also has an eatery. He also has <laughs> an tattoos? eatery to plug. Indeed, <laughs> uh, Bacaro. So you know, go. Yeah, in. we should be plugging Bacaro. Go to fucking Bacaro. It's the best and on Division Street. If you see a handsome man behind the bar with, with glasses, a with a mustache, you know. Just say like, "Excuse me, are you in tip, bubbles?" <laughs> tip him fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, we don't pay him. Yeah. I mean, we we need you to take care of that for us. <laughs> That's right. I mean, help the guy out. We play his music for free every show. <laughs> no, but but like honestly, Alon like is. Um, this very interesting Renaissance man, music, art, food. Yeah. He also did all the do's and don'ts for Vice magazine. He did? <laughs> he did not. He's like, he uh, did? I never knew that. Yes, Are you kidding me? I have all the That's secret- like I mean, all I ever find. Fu- that's what I turned to first. He, he, I don't know if he didn't, he didn't write them, but he took all the photos. But yes, that's the hard part, though, man. I mean, you obviously, the, I used to be walking down the street and going, like, I should take a picture of this person. I know. And, and, and I didn't have the balls to do it. fast forward 20 years later, it's your fucking neighbor. Damn. <laughs> I have major respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Alon, um, Alon is a great photographer, and I believe he is working on a photo book from the early 2000s. Whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. I might know some people in that book. Yes, you might. You may, <laughs> you may. Um, anyway, shout out to Bubbles and Alon. You should be on the show because you are our number one listener as well. <laughs> We're going to grant a show to our number one listener. <laughs> um, shout out to Acast, to Tim, Stephanie, Becky, the whole gang. All if you're the- still listening to us here, yeah, the Acast gang. There's two really cute dogs. I don't know either of their names. One but of them really likes me. Yeah, one of them really, one of them really likes you, and the other one is really chubby. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with him. Um, shout out to Soundwag. Putting out content daily yeah. on Instagram. If you're still listening here. Maybe you'll, you're. Of course you're they are. Enough to go they, of over. course they are. This got is some time. This is the real where the real go Brad out, fans go are. Check out going off track <laughs> at going off track going off track um, All that. Yeah, I get podcasts coming out now. Oh yeah, and they're all musical. Maybe you can have bubbles on your uh, podcast. That's that's true. Oh my god, I would be a fly on the wall there. I would love that. Um, <laughs> Yes, and, uh, you know, All Things Claw Money, and Club Claw Worldwide, ClawandCount.com. See you suckers later.